Would you like to be my tag team partner? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going for gold, right? We're just not going to try to be one of these, like, middle card fools <laughs> that are just happy to be there. We're going to the top, the tippy okay. top. All right. So you're my tag team partner. That's established? Yes. Good. I'm tagging you in right now <laughs> oh, so you God. can finish reading Alan Moore's Jerusalem <laughs> on my behalf. I got, like, 160-something pages left. And you can finish it. Do you think it maybe would be easier for me because I don't have all that baggage from the previous like thousand pages like holding me down? I'm just going in blind and just be like, well, I'm just going to get through these pages. Believe it or not, I think it would be worse. Okay. I know people are sick of hearing me talk about this, but it just it, somehow it gets worse. Like not the book or the quality. It's a good quality. It's a good book. It's just this third book because it's a book of three is how he has it split up. So this third book is as the listeners know from my previous uh, complaints, it's all over the place with, you know, experimentation. So the last chapter, it was two different time periods, one of this guy's life and one when he's already dead and he's marching to infinity to the end of time. And it's just as long as that sounds. (laughs) And every... The book's in real time. Yeah. So every chunk of the story of this particular story uh, so say it's him marching with his granddaughter and they're going to the end of time. It's usually about a page long and then it just breaks mid-sentence and goes mid-sentence into the other other uh, story that's going on. Of, and it's not just one part of his life. It's just any part of his life when he's a kid, when he's an adult, when he's old and dying. It's just so it's hard to follow. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? So it took half the chapter before I realized what was going on. And then it turned out actually to be really good and really interesting. And the way it's wrapped up is really cool, but it's just hard to follow. This new chapter, Spencer. I don't, I don't know if I... I almost did a book last night. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. You I was so like, mad. I was going to be like, I'm going to power through it, and I'm just going to do it. No. I just... Ooh. I, the last three days, I've just been maybe four pages, and I'm just so pissed off. Because I should have been done with it already. Yeah. But this chapter, it started off... I don't know who's talking. I don't know who this person is. I don't think it's a character that's been established in this book yet. But it's just like first person narr. I think it's supposed to be stream of consciousness. It's literally just some guy talking without any punctuation, one continuous sentence that just goes on for fifty pages or whatever the chapter is. Just one one single sentence. Well, I mean, there's no periods or anything. Uh, but it's like, okay, here's an example. So Spencer, I was at work today, and work was hard. And you know what? I do like cream cheese on bagels, but I'm not a big fan of cake, believe it or not. And then anyway, work was really hard. So what I did was I quit. I quit my job. But then that reminded me in 1974 when Nixon, like, it just, that's how it is. That's how it reads. And there's also breaks in it, too, where it's, like, repeated words and stuff because it's supposed to be, like, your consciousness. So it's just really hard to follow sometimes, too. See, like, you talk about, like, how good this book is and stuff like that, but anytime you describe it to me, it just, it sounds terrible. <laughs> and on just, every metric. Yeah, and just, like, unenjoyable. Like, I don't, like, I mean, I can get to, like, to a certain point to be like, oh, well, it's written very well and it's interesting in parts, but half the time I can't even understand what the fuck's going on. Like, at what point does, like, does that take away from the goodness or the quality of the book? I will equate this book with weightlifting. Lifting super heavy weights is not really actually fun, believe it or not. Doing anything in the gym that's very strenuous and hard, running miles and miles, that stuff is not fun. But after it's done, you feel great and you really appreciate that you did it. That's how the book is. 
It's almost like the the writing process sometimes when you're writing something, you're like, fuck, I hate this. I wish I was done. But when you're done, you look back and you're like, that was great. But something tells me that by the time when you when you <laughs> finish this book, when you flip over the 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 twelve hundredth page or whatever, and you fucking read the end. Something tells me it, the book's just gonna fall out of your hands, hit the floor, and you're just gonna be, like, ah, 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 I'm done. I'm finally done. <laughs> I will be like the man who walked for infinity in the book. <laughs> you don't understand how long this walk is in this chapter. Like the guy is walking till the end of time, but he doesn't actually leave the place he's at. Because he's still everything's in Northampton, uh, but it is cool because it explains at least in that chapter, like the farther they go, all of a sudden, like the Earth changes and stuff, and then eventually people go extinct, and then like it's just it's really cool how it's written, but it's just like God damn, this is long. But it's just like nothing has almost hardly anything at any point in time in the past couple of years of you talking about reading this book. <laughs> have I ever been like? That makes me want to check it out. You know what's funny? I got on Facebook one of those memory things two years ago. Yeah. It was me posting the book, and it was like, oh, I don't think I had a caption, but I remember how excited I was. <laughs> like, I'm going to love this book when I start reading it. Yeah, because I, I was telling somebody at work about your about your troubles, and I was like, he started it like a couple years ago, and then just, it just stopped dead for for a long time, and then like... Later, like last year, he got into it a little bit, and then he then put it to the side for a, a bit. But then I was like, it was like sometime like like late October, early November. He was like, he's gonna sit down and he's gonna finish this thing. And now we're like halfway through March, and he's still got a couple hundred pages left, hundred and sixty something pages, Spencer. If I get through this chapter, I might be able to make it. But I don't. That's what you say about the end of. Once I get past this section, it should be. It, I should have no more problems until you get to the next section. See, the problem is I'm climbing this mountain, and then I look up and I see a big cloud, and I'm like, "That's the top of the mountain in that cloud." <laughs> but then when I go up through the cloud, it's there's more, more mountain. More mountain. It just gets more difficult. He purposely did this last set of chapters to just progressively get harder and harder as you go up. And it's like, why? Why can't I just finish it? Why can't it be just fun? How mad would you be if, like, uh, through some kind of Alan Moore magic, you finally get to the end, and then, like, you never noticed it before when you flipped through it and was looking, but then you get to the end, and you just see to be continued or end of book one. <laughs> no, knowing him, it'll end, and it'll be like, now I'll read the book backwards to find the true meaning. Yeah. Like, it's written backwards, too. <laughs> and then you read it backwards, like, oh, god damn. Bad sir. Forget the rest of the reading for the year. I got to read uh, Jerusalem some more. So anyway, that's uh, where I'm at. So maybe next week when we record, I will be done. Mm, yeah. I thought I was going to be done today, mm. but this chapter has beaten me almost to a bloody pulp. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't like it. I don't like it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. But then like after this, how long are you going to have to like you? Because someone tells me you're going to need a break after this. Uh, even well, even I, if you go into like an easy thing, like afterwards, like we're talking about the Mirakami, like something tells me that even that like, you're still gonna want like a break after, <laughs> after uh, you know, after you're done with this. For those who can't see, I got this really terrible beer. <laughs> I just drank it and it made me almost throw up. <laughs> it's a cherry barrel aged nine percent alcohol ale of some kind. Black cherry, I think you said. Black cherry, but it just tastes like medicine and if somebody like got a straw 
put one end of the straw up the bum hole, put the other end of the straw at the bottom <laughs> of my glass, and just proceeded to blast some noxious gas into it. And that's how they got the nitrous for the the beer. It was through their bum. It's not good. Um, I, <laughs> As to pair with what you're reading, not the greatest right now, just... You know what might actually explain the badness of this beer? It might not be such a bad... It's still pretty bad, but it tastes like old wine. We got it in Columbus. Okay. I got a six-pack on Saturday, and I only drank three of them. And then Sunday morning, we had to check out of the Airbnb. So we put it... My, I had some leftover food and my beer, and Mindy got some ice in a bag and put it on top. And we didn't get home until like 10 hours later because we had to pick the dog up yeah. and stuff. So we ended up just not getting home uh, until like five something or no, it was like six almost. Yeah. So we left at nine or 10 in the morning. So yeah, like nine in the morning till six in the evening, those beers sat there, got very warm, and then I put it in the cooler. Now, was it like a mix six pack or something? Yeah. Oh, so I was going to say, so you, didn't have, you the, haven't tried that before? Okay. No, I have not. I have not tried that awful beer before. But that could explain that maybe it got a little skunky because it got warm. Mm. So it was cold, warm, warm and then cold, cold again. again. Yeah. Let me yeah. let me do another test. Yeah, yeah. Why not? It smells like T- maybe, fucking asshole. Maybe it's the mouth. Maybe you need to get a big mouthful. Okay, a big mouthful. <laughs> yeah, oh. like half the glass. Um, my body's like rejecting <laughs> it. Just the idea of it. My esophagus closed up when I thought <laughs> of doing that. Oh, and you know what? It looks like a really shitty white Ziffendale. I want some of it to get into your stash, too, so it just stays oh, in this. <laughs> smell it. For, ew. Mm. 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 The face you make and the way you drank that, like, it just reminded me of, like, how I have to drink, like, the prep. That I need to take before, like I have like a colonoscopy, like that, oh. like that metallic. That's just you had the same reaction to that. Ah, uh, that's the beer that bites back. That's not good. It's the beer that drinks you. I have two more. I could dump this out and get one of those, but I don't know. I think I have to. That's. I haven't had a drain pour in a long time, but that is a bad beer. You, you're definitely going to need another glass because I think that's probably sullied that glass for a while. It's probably like acid eating through it. It's, oh, oh, it's like, it's like when you drink a hard liquor and you feel it in your lungs sometimes, yeah. like that burning. It's like that, but not burning, more like bitter ass flavor. It's just, it's permeating through my head. <laughs> oh, it's like a skunk crawled up inside my sinus and just shit. <laughs> just farting inside yeah. of you. Anyway, folks. Uh, stick around. We have probably things to talk about. It's not supposed to be a DBS episode. Maybe it will be, because I'm probably going to get really inebriated drinking another skunk beer. <laughs> yeah, I'll check you out in a second. You are here with the DPW experience. Oh wait, that ain't right. That's our after hour show. Yeah. No, no, no. The after hour show is the sexual. What the fuck is this one? The the drunken pen writing podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the writing one, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of things in the mix that people don't know about. What if we had super successful podcasts that people like? We just didn't tell people we had like on this show. This is just the the dealer show. Oh well, I mean, ooh. Um, I am your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Tanzanian toe tickler church. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Woo. 
Ooh, that's not too nasty. No, well, um, I mean, just just for those listening to that intro, I know it went on extra long, but if you did listen to the beer part of it, because I actually have to call this out because this was one of the worst beers I've ever had. I normally don't do this. I don't beer shame. Wild Ohio Brewing. This is called the Wild Tea Black Cherry Bourbon Barrel. Fuck, it's a long name. Real? Oh, maybe that's what it is. Really brewed with tea. That's mm. what the weird fucking vegetable flavor we had maybe, was. yeah. It was like a vegetable flavor or something in there, I think, that made it taste like ass. I think it was the tea. So maybe when it got warm, it did get a little skunky. Ooh, maybe. It might have been my fault. It might have been. I don't know. It was fucking sucked. I let Spencer taste it. He made the same yeah, face. Yeah, it was gross. And then, gross. then I believe it or not, first time in, I think, d- at least in this studio. Oh, history, yeah, definitely in this studio, yeah. Drain pour. I had to dump that beer. I could not drink it. I could stomach many things, but I could not drink it. So now I'm drinking an Irish stout, and it is stouty. It looks flavorful. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like if uh, Miller White and Guinness had a baby. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot. I mean, it's dark as shit, but it, it tastes really light. It's, it's looking like you're drinking a Coke. Yeah, it, but it's it's uh, effervescent. Mm. It's light and uh, airy, which is not what I normally associate with stouts. No. Like, you saw those Murphy stouts I had. In those, I mean, those are nitrous, but those are like Guinness. Like, thick, creamy, yeah, you, you dark. Put, you put, like, a uh, straw in it, and it just yeah. stands in the middle. Right? Tastes like uh, pretzels. This mm. does not taste like pretzels. It's a good beer, but not a... Uh, uh, not one I would uh, purchase again. So anyway, we are here. We are queer. Get used to it. Wait, that's Ooh. not where a lot. Are we allowed to say that? What do you? That would be a appropriation, I would think. Right nowadays, I don't know. I feel like everybody wants to be on the queer spectrum. Because well, when we were growing up, queer was the the slur. Yeah, but now that's like the per- preferred name. I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'll just cut it out. I'll just mm. cut it out. I don't want to get in trouble. Or get it, it. Or I'll leave it in for Mike. <laughs> I think Mike said to do it. So we are here to talk about stuff. Now you asked me off air. I was minding my own business. You said, Caleb, how does a guy like me submit? submit. I I just I can't figure it out. Well, I said first get on your knees, bitch. <laughs> oh wait, what kind of submission are we talking about here? Oh, writing submissions. Yeah. Well, Spencer, let's get into the nitty gritty because I don't think we've done this. We've talked about it. We've skirted it. We've skirted around it rather, uh, but I don't think we actually deep dived into how. No, I think we just talked about submitting, but never yeah. the process of. Because we do have a lot of writers who listen to our show, and a lot of them. God help them. Oh, I feel bad for you. Don't take our advice. Uh, you can take some of it. Just be very selective. But now that I am a published author, I feel like I could at least give some. Some advice for submitting. I won't say listen to me foolhardy here, but uh, if you want to submit work, I'm talking to mainly uh, magazines and journals. If you want to like query agents and stuff like that for your books or do submissions with manuscripts, that's a little bit of a different process, way lengthier. The submission process, let's say for short stories, flash fiction, and poetry, still could be very lengthy. But there's a there's there's some uh, first there's things you could do that will help with just weeding out what kind of publications you want to go to. So a buddy of mine, he uses Duotrope, which I do not use, but apparently that tells you, like it gives you a lot more uh, detail on uh, journals, which I probably should get because like it'll tell you like the time period. It's like, hey, this magazine gets back to you in three weeks, and, you know, if they're an accept, like if they're going to accept your work, it might take six months. Like mm. you'll be in there longer. Like just different things like that you wouldn't think about. 
But the way I started, um, because as you know, I've submitted throughout the years to high rejection rate, but I only submitted like four or five times a year. When you're submitting work, let's say you have a short story, 2,000 words. Okay, Spencer? I would say submit that one story to at least eight to 10 different publications. Now, depending on how you feel about that story, because whether you like it or not, if you have no publication history, you kind of got to start at the bottom. Yeah. You're going to like if find some shit mags and try I what I try to do, which is what worked for me, uh submit like flash fiction or maybe some like poetry or whatever, like things that are shorter. Those are what you would want to submit to the lower end publications because their acceptance rates probably higher. And if they get accepted, it's not something that you work super hard on yeah. that, you know, is your baby. And then now all of a sudden it's published in shit smear weekly. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't necessarily want that, but you just want something in your bio. You know, I guess I should probably go to the very beginning here of publication. So when you do a submission, um, one, sign up for submittable because most publications worth their salt go through submittable. And when you do that, it's a very easy process. It's free. And it keeps track of the places you submitted to that use submittable. And then most of those, and this goes with most publications, because you'll have a good smattering of submittable ones and then just email ones, places that you just email. Yeah. You always uh, have to go by the guidelines. So when you submit to these places, what you want to do first off is look at how their cover letter setup is. Like, do they want a cover letter? If they do, what do they want in it? Some places don't want any information. Actually, the one place I got uh accepted to this year they didn't they just wanted my bio mm. that was it they didn't want a cover letter now some places they want a little more detailed cover letter but the basic cover letter that i use is you know i just say hello uh i am submitting such and such story it's this many words uh depending on the magazine i might give a brief synopsis of the story but that's not always mandatory uh and then i give my bio what's worked for me is if you have a little bit of a personal touch even if you're lying, just say you like their magazine. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I really like the stuff you're publishing. I think my piece would be a good fit. That's a good move. And Grease them wills. Yeah. When you get the personal touch, I've been getting more personal responses with that. And if you really want to actually do it right, read some of the stuff they publish. Yeah, so you have an idea on what they are putting out. So, you know, if you if you have something already or if you go to make something new, you have a... Uh, you have a better idea, and more likely you have a chance that you might get accepted. Yeah, um, because so, like a lot of places will have themes, but even if they don't have themes, if say you're submitting a flash fiction piece, read the latest flash fiction pieces, like four or five of them because they're short, and just kind of judge, like, you know, I'm writing a comedy, this place only takes serious work. Not going to be a good fit. Sometimes if the writing's good enough, they'll take a piece, but usually they want something similar to whatever style they go for. Poetry is a little bit harder because it's more abstract. Uh, sometimes they just go for form over the actual poetry, yeah. like what's in the poem. Sometimes they want, like they have more female readers. They might want a slant to the poetry that's, you know, n near that. Uh, sometimes they want something geared toward a more masculine style. Sometimes, it's, you know, poetry is just all over the place. I can't really give you too much advice on that. I find my acceptance was because I did something that was relate. My poems were relatable and they were more worldwide accepted. Like they had more bearing than just something super personal. But most of the poetry I see is super personal. So, again, that's just up to you. Read what the journal that you're submitting to wants or what they accept. And you might have a, a lot of them actually say 
uh, in their guidelines, you know, we like they'll give you a, a list of stuff that they published before. But hey, read some of these to see if you're a good fit. I never read those. Yeah. But it's a good move. Uh, I usually don't submit to a lot of those anyway, though. Now, the most important thing besides the cover letter is actually following the guidelines. If you don't fo- fo- like I'm a, I'm a, I would say follow the guidelines to the T. Oh, definitely. Don't think, oh, they want Times New Roman. I have it aerial font. It's almost the same. It doesn't, no, follow it to the T. Whatever they, and it's a pain in the ass because there's like a story I've submitted to five different places at once. Um, And also some places don't want simultaneous submissions. If you're willing to burn the bridge like I have been, uh, I'll submit to them anyway and just not tell them. Yeah, I mean. Because I'm like, if somebody accepts me and I have to pull out of this one, this one I wasn't planning on submitting to again. But if it's someplace you really want to, you know, like I want to get into the New England Review real bad. I'm not going to burn any bridges there. Yeah. I'm not going to do, you know, hey, you know, I got this submission to you and then just take it out because I got accepted somewhere else because then I'm like, well, now I burnt that bridge. Then I think they take simultaneous submissions, so that's a bad example. But there's some that don't. Like the Ten Penny Review, they pay a lot of money uh, and they get back to you within a week. But And they have their own submission manager, which is a whole different story like when you go into those. But when you submit to them, they strictly say do not submit anywhere else. I submitted elsewhere, yeah. but that's because it said they got back within the week, and the other places I submitted to uh, didn't get back until like six months. So I was like, it doesn't hurt, because if the, at worst, I would get rejected by them, and they're still in the other ones. At best, I get accepted by them and just pull out of the other ones, yep. which they accept you know, simultaneous submissions. But follow the guidelines. Because they just, because the, they get so many, they just look for a reason just to, just to cut you. Oh, yeah. So don't give them like... Don't give them a reason before they even get to your story to 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 reject you. Exactly, and like I was saying though, I've had a, a story like five different magazines, and each one wanted a different thing. Some wanted in the document name, address, phone number, word count. Some didn't want any identifying information in the document. Most of them want double space, but not all of them. Most of them want Times New Roman font font twelve. Not all of them. So you, again, and some actually have uh, a guideline book they want you to read. Those are usually the genre ones, the horror ones I've submitted to. They have their own guidebooks, like style guides that you have to read. Like the, I mean, it just shows you the page layout and what you need on it. And I'm just like, God damn, is this necessary? Mm. Uh, some places, this is becoming more popular, which I really like. They do blind readings. They don't want any information. And in the guide or even in the cover letter, they don't really want any information. I like that. Yeah, well, that's just good because then you feel like if you do get accepted. a fair shot, yeah. Like if you get accepted, it's because of the quality and not, as we mentioned in in previous issues, like sometimes it seems like they're trying to hit like a quota or have a A certain demographic. Demographic, yeah. Yeah, so that's always good. And with the guidelines too, another one you have to watch out for because uh, the submittable guidelines are pretty easy because they already have most of it. Like, he, uh, some go in a little more detail, but usually it's, you know, title. If it's a poem and you have like multiple poems, just comma, multiple yeah. titles. Your cover letter with a bio. Sometimes they ask for social media info or websites, usually just social media. And that's about it. And then they have the separate guidelines for the actual document. But you have some on submittable, which are a little deeper, but again, it's already you know, predestined that you just fill out the boxes. It's idiot proof. And most of those ones, you do have to pay a fee, like three bucks or something. When you get, where it gets a little hairy is the guidelines for the email ones. Some are more lax and they just, you know, like how DPW was, hey, follow our guidelines, don't be a dick, but, you know, 
like mainly just with the document, and then just send us the email. Some, though, they want specific subject email header. So it's like poetry dash Caleb James dash title of poem. Or if it's a short story, maybe the word count. Uh, then they want the cover letter. And what I don't like, but some of these do, they want you to paste the story or the poem in the email instead mm-hmm. of a set because they don't want to open up a document. I hate that. It's a pain in the ass, and it's just like you have to figure out how to like get that right. Who wants to read a story in an email? Yeah. But some do that, uh, and I've actually come across a few better magazines that do that, so, I mean, I'll go with it. Now, here's an important part of the submitting process that I never used to do, but I started this year. Uh, I just use Google Sheets because it's free. You don't have to have Word, uh, not Word, Excel. It's the same thing as Microsoft Excel. I log all the stuff I'm, you know, submitting to. So I have my whole list of all the journals I'm submitting to, the story for said journals, and then, so what way I do it, let's say New England Review. I'll have the New England Review, then I'll have the story that goes with that that I submitted to, and then I will have, whether it was free or if it costs something, so say it's three bucks, I'll put three bucks, and then what I started doing recently, which I should have did from the get-go, was whether it's an email uh, submission or a submittable submission, because the email ones are harder to follow up on. Yeah. The submittable ones are always in a list you can see when they're in progress. The email ones I forget about. Sometimes I get a rejection from an email one. I was like, I don't remember submitting to them. Mm. Then I'll look at my sheets. I was like, oh, I did submit to them. I didn't realize it was an email one. Another thing that I haven't done, which I'm going to actually, when I start fresh next year, I'll do is also in that sheets, I'll put the date first. Mm. I think that's probably a good idea. Again, it's just because uh, submittable, you can... You know, it already has the dates, but the email submissions, that's different. But I found out on Submittable, you could actually, whatever, like say you submitted to a magazine that's not in, doesn't use Submittable, it's an email one, you can still import it into Submittable. Oh, okay. That's so cool. it'll still, it'll tell you. So if you want to keep track of that, you can just use Submittable for it all. You don't have to have the sheets. I just like having the extra thing. It's just easier for me. And I can look at it on my phone a little quicker. Yeah. There's an app. And also it seems like that's way, is an easier way to check to be like, I sent this story to this magazine or this magazine or whatever other than like because like i had like the submittable too and it just seems like it's just just as you submitted yeah. it like you, you know you can uh create it to like how you want like you like you know like oh these are all the stories i did to the new england review these are all the stories yeah. i did to whatever you know the cop stuff or what your fish magazine and and also it'll tell you um you know, keep track of like the dates and how many times you submitted a single story in the sheets. I do that is that's why I have it. So because usually I'll submit like if I'm I finish a flash fiction story, I might submit it to five places right then and there. Uh, and then I'll put that in the sheets. Uh, and if I get rejected, I might submit it somewhere else. But I usually like at least four places at once for a story or a poem or something to be up in the air, you know, that way because they take a while. So, you know, as long as you have those out there you have a better chance of getting accepted it's just the number game some people i know they have submissions out for like i've submitted this poem 15 times like i got it up at 15 different places i think that's just a little extreme just because like if you get accepted now you have 14 other places you gotta you know withdraw from uh which is another process is be very formal with your withdraw like i just when i've done that i'm just like you know got accepted elsewhere in submittable it's a little easier uh, if it's an email submission, which I've had to do too, I just was very polite. I was like, hey, I got accepted somewhere else, but I would like to submit again in the future if mm. that's okay. You know, it'd be nice like that. Another part of the submission game 
besides playing the numbers, and I'm talking about like expect for let's say you submit a hundred times in a year, you're gonna get rejected. You could get rejected ninety, ninety five times. Mm. It's just, you might get you might get rejected a hundred times. Might get all yeah. All, it's just hard. Like, and this goes to my next point: the time period in which you submit. Now, I always submit to certain contests around the year, like because they're usually about twenty bucks to submit those. So, but I'll do a couple a year at least. That way, you know, if I have a story I feel good about, I'm like, that's going to be a submission for a contest, and I won't do any. I won't submit that anywhere else until I get, you know, hear back from the contest. But when it comes to the time period, like there are certain parts of the year that are like clear out times. I think like I submitted a bunch in October and November and got a lot of rejections. I found out a lot of magazines that time of year, they clear out all their old slush pile and start new. Mm. Whereas like uh, in February and stuff, a lot of places are either not accepting submissions or even if they are, they're not reading them for a while. So you have to try to catch them at their best time. And I think Duotrope might help with that. It'll tell you when uh, places like you have the best chance of getting accepted. Because if you want, you want to like get, you want to be like one of the first ones to submit during a new open period. Yeah, because I'm sure it's a lot of first come, first serve, you know. Yeah, so where your instinct might be just to find a list of journals and submit to, you know, all of them if you can. Uh, What I started to do, which seems to be a little better, is to find journals that you're interested in and pursue them more. So even if they reject one of your stories or poems, like, all right, I'll submit something else. Uh, It helps if they give you a personal rejection, then definitely submit again. If you get the generic one, you can submit again, but your chances are they probably don't like your work. Uh, it could just be the story. I mean, and uh, if it's a higher end magazine, they just have too many. They can't be give personal responses. But if you get a personal response, definitely submit to that one again. Uh, so what you want to do is always keep an eye out on that. Again, be personal with these people. And uh, don't take it personal if you do get rejected because a lot of times they just have too many submissions. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, they are pro- they might not even read the first paragraph. Yeah, I was going to say that's another thing that they might not even have read it before they before you got, you know, before they didn't even accept it. If they might have already hit what they what they were able to, you know, the quota, whatever they have to get. Like, you yeah. know, they only have room for 15 stories. They might have got to that. 500 fi- submissions. Yeah, yeah so, what do you do? So they, they could have got it before they even got a chance to read your stuff. So That's always a possibility. I mean, at DPW, we we did that where, I mean, I tried to extend it at least until November. I'd be like, hey, we'll publish. But the, I always had a cutoff. Submissions closed. And I'd be like, hey, this was like a good submission. But we just, every day is filled. Yeah. And we're not very strict. Like, if you're doing a print publication, like you said, they're only publishing 15 stories. You're number 500 on the list. Like, are they going to even get to you? By Like, they just... Chances are, if they're getting quality writers, I would say 80% probably aren't going to be up to par. But even that 20%, like you're getting enough quality writers that by the time they get to your work that you submitted mm. on the last day of open calls, they're not getting to you. What I recommend, though, um, which I've had some success here, uh, if you could do expedited, uh, some of these places, they'll be like, hey, if you pay $5, we'll get back to you within a week. Uh, some of them, like Driftwood, if you pay $15, you get an issue of, like a back issue of the journal, and we'll get back to you within a week. So I, I opted to do that because, one, at least you're getting the journal. And you, if it's one you're pursuing, you can get more familiar with the work. But two, they get back to you quicker. Yeah. Uh, there are a list of journals, usually poetry ones, that get back within a day to a week. Those ones are a little tough because I'm always like, are they actually reading it? But some people I know have been published in those. They get, you know, uh, they seem to be going through them. But poems are a little quick. You can read them quicker. 
like the one journal I uh, co- coalition works. I'm pretty sure he got back to me within a week. Yeah. So that's always good. Uh, if you can get when you're starting out, find a new journal. Like Coalition Works was a new journal. You have a better chance of getting published because they're just trying to get their foot yeah. off the ground, you know, their feet off the ground. So you uh, have a better chance of getting in those. You have to be very specific with your choices. I just, I just would always feel bad. It's like, you know, like, I mean, like, we're like what you're saying with the Driftwood, at least you're getting like a back issue of the thing. But like, even like it was like five bucks, like, hey, five bucks to get to you soon, but I was still going to cut you. Like, well, like, I've oh. spent a good, I probably spent a couple hundred dollars this year on submissions and. I haven't. I don't think I've gotten accepted by any of the pay submissions. No, I did the the fish one. No, oh. uh, I did the expedited, which was like a four dollar thing, and they got back to me within a couple of days, and I got accepted. But I have a buddy who did that, and I think he did it twice, and he got rejected. So it's not a short thing. Just because you give them money doesn't mean oh, they're going to no. accept your work. That's one thing. And the main thing, like I said, though, don't take it personal. You're just going to get even if you're the best writer, you're going to get a shitload of rejections just because one, you probably got some fucking intern who's just gone through five thousand stories in the slush pile that they're forced to reading. read they're not getting paid to read them and they're really bored and they're just skimming through your story and they don't give a shit like there's a good chance that happens it's not like oh i'm gonna fucking submit this story and it's going to max perkins yeah. superior editor who's just gonna no you're gonna get fucking little billy Cumstain who just wants to get some credit for school and he doesn't give a shit about these awful stories he keeps getting if you have a 20 year old 18 year old whatever in a you know interning What's their real opinion on quality right. work? Like, yeah. what do they think is quality work? That's another thing that kind of burns me, too. It's like, I'm not writing the stories that are trending, uh, like the diversity stuff and the lesbian stories, and just like a lot of stuff I read in these magazines. So even if the writing's up to snuff, it's if that's the person reading it as somebody like in college, you know, like a college-age person, there's a chance they're probably not going to... Because a lot of like the magazines are run by like liberal arts kids yeah so they're probably not gonna like what i'm like if you're not writing to the demographic yeah that's what i'm trying to say if i'm not writing to a specific audience or a specific style story they probably won't give it a chance and that's not a slight against them it's might not be fair but it seems that when you have an older person reading who's had more life experience they might take these more worldly stories. Well, I'm gonna say, well, that and there's the other end of the coin, to where like you might be stripping to these more uh, established places that have the older people. But then, if you want to try to do like a young, like you know what yeah. I mean, they might just uh, still go for like a trending. You or they or I mean, they might go against that thing because that's not what they're looking for. It, oh, it, yeah. it goes back into like. What you were saying earlier, you have to do the re- you kind of have you have to do the legwork to see what kind of stuff they're putting out, who they like to put, like you know. Just well, to make again, sure you're not wasting your time. Read the stories and the poems, uh, and also if you're submitting to like a university-based magazine like the Warrior Review or so, the Black Warrior Review, chances are they uh, only. Not only, but they mainly accept a certain kind of work. Uh, I've submitted to The Sun in California a couple times. Got a very prompt rejection from those all every time. And uh, when you read a lot of the stuff they publish, it's basically they don't want the voice of straight white males. That's just not their demographic. They don't really care to cater to those. Uh, probably not. For To be fair, straight white males are probably not reading their publication anyway. Yeah. Um, 
they're probably more towards like people of color and liberals and stuff like that. Which is always funny because me and you are both left-leaning people, but yeah. it's like we don't, now at our age group and stuff in our 30s, we don't fit in with the left really anymore, and we definitely don't, we don't fit, fit in with the right. No. So it's like, where the fuck are we? And the fact that, like... We're more like classic liberals, I guess. And, like, the the fact of the matter, like, that shouldn't fucking matter. Like, unless, no. I mean, unless if, like, those, like, unless if those kind of things are involved in the story or poem that you're submitting... yeah. It shouldn't fucking matter. Another good thing about... You're right, though. It shouldn't matter. But another good thing about Submittable, too, which I always forget, they have a Discover page, which will show you places that are accepting work currently. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And one thing, which I've only done once so far, but I really ought people to do, is explore international magazines. So if you can get into an international journal, one that just makes you look better, they almost always seem to pay, at least the ones I've seen. They have stricter stipulations, but they do, you know, most of them seem to take work from people from the U.S. or whatever country you might be from. Uh, So that's something to look into. And the honest answer here for the whole submission process is you have to keep submitting. Yeah. When people say writing is not a poor man's game, they are correct because if you actually want to submit to, like, good places, you have to pay, which sucks. Or, like, you could, like, anyone could submit to The New Yorker. But chances are you're just not going to hear back. They just ghost you. Now, the New Yorker does have poetry submissions on Submittable, which I thought was interesting because their stories are not. I submitted something to them in October. Knew I wasn't going to get any answer probably. Yeah, but for you shot in the dark. Yeah, it's already March. Not even uh, in progress. or Like, it's probably, they're just never going to get to it, I don't think. But they probably get so many. Uh, if you want to get into the New Yorker, the Atlantic, be famous. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're gonna have to do. Yeah, that's the main thing. Well, and and like we've talked about this before, like with the you know the uh whenever you know Forever Girl, whenever we read uh Stephen King's on writing, he has a section where he talked about like where at his table where he wrote his stories, he had like this hook that was just filled of rejection letters. And if one of the greatest storytellers of our time yeah. has just like he got I mean he got to the point where he was he was about to quit. Yeah. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna bother with it. he was just gonna be a teacher, you know? They were saying it's just it's, it's gonna take the work, it's gonna take luck. You know, there's a there's a lot of that, you know, you don't wanna you know, you don't wanna hear about it. like it you gotta be lucky too. Can I hit you with the hard truth bomb? Okay. The submissions I've been talking about thus far. 99% of them are literary submissions. Mm, yeah. The genre market is the hard market to get into yeah. right now. So for most of our listeners who are probably writing fantasy, horror, sci-fi, romance, crime noir, good fucking luck because the journals I've seen uh, and the ones I've submitted horror stories to and stuff, they do get back to you. Most of them are, are paying markets, which is good. Uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of lower end ones you can get into, usually online only. But, like, the good print ones or ones that you want to get into, they're so backlogged with submissions because everybody is a horror writer at yeah. some point. Everybody right, tries their hand to sci-fi. It's very difficult to get in those. Uh, the benefit of getting in those, though, I think, like, say if you get in, uh, well, you're not going to get into, like, Cemetery Dance or anything mm-hmm. right off the bat. But say you get into a horror magazine, a lot of times I think you can get into the, uh, what is that? It's like Stephen King and stuff are in the Horror Writers Association or something yeah. like that. And the sci-fi has one, too. Uh, then you could be up for awards and stuff, but you could get into those things. It's like a union or something. You can become a member of those if you get published, I think, in any horror publication. I think that's how it works. Now, there are, like, we go to conventions. I always see, like, indie horror publishers. You can get into indie horror publishers, 
They might even pay like ten bucks or something. I was gonna say like and and like that's also like the other side of the coin is like you know with the uh or, or like the argument is like submit to places things like that or just try to self publish. Honestly, at this point, self publishing is probably the qu- not just the quicker option, but it might be the better option if you have an online following. Yeah, uh, it's more work, but. Here's the problem. But the it's thi- more work, but more reward if it, yeah. if you if you make anything out of it. Well, here's the th- here's the issue that people don't know. So when drunken pen writing the website was up and we published work periodically, we would get a good amount of visitors here and there. We were by no means booming in business. No. I think that's fair to say. I looked at our viewership numbers before we shut down, and I compared them. There was a list online of the top publications in the country. Uh, so you're. Not just like the New Yorker and the Paris Review, because obviously they're like top tier. Oh, yeah. But, you know, like really high ones, like really, really good journals. And we were like, we would, if we were in that, you know, on that list, we were in the middle. Oh. We were actually, our views for monthly views, most of them are your shitty article. Well, well, whatever, you know. But just our monthly views and visitors on the site were around the mid range site. So even if you get published in a good journal, that doesn't mean more than 100 people are going to read it. Right. Over the last year, I, I bought. Uh, myself, quite a few, like Paris Review, New uh, New England Review, Driftwood, just a bunch of different journals to you know see what's out there, and plus the ones I've had before. I've only read maybe a few stories in each and a handful of poems in each because I just don't have the time to read all that stuff. And what are the odds that somebody goes to the magazine section of Barnes & Noble specifically for a literary journal? Yeah. They usually, the ones I've been to, at least in the Pennsylvania, only have maybe three or four. When I was in like Colorado, California, and Maine, I've been to some even at the airport, uh, some Barnes and Nobles and different bookstores that have a pretty big selection yeah. of literature. So some states do have more, but your general reading audience is already low enough. So if you think getting published in, you know, a major journal or a horror magazine or whatever it is is gonna boost you to the top. No, mainly what you're using it for is to say, Hey, I've been publishing this, I'm quality enough, so when you go to sell your book, uh, or get an agent, you can be like, hey, I've been published in the New England Review. I got published in the New Yorker. They're like, okay, this guy's worth something. We can kind of skip the whole, you know, is he going to be able to sell that whole thing? It's kind of like um, you need credits to advance, but you can't advance without credits. It's hard. And it's, so it's just like you kind of have to start out somewhere just to, like you said, to kind of prove yourself, to prop you up a little bit, to share like, hey, I can do this. I can... I'm reliable, I can get it done on time, I can follow, you know, the orders or the guidelines or whatever it may be, you know, to make it, then hopefully you, as you can, you can kind of build up a bit of a clout or a reputation for yourself. Without knowing somebody in the industry that can help you out or knowing somebody at a publication, uh, your chances of getting published, no matter how good of a writer you are in a really good journal right off the bat, is low. What generally most of us writers have to do if we want to go the route of you know making it to paid publishing and eventually becoming a well-known writer you submit the dog shit journal again maybe not best work i mean if you're submitting unless you're just really good and everything's your best work yeah. I, you know you start getting some of those acceptances put those in your bio and then when those are in your bio you go up to the next level and then that level goes through and then you get some acceptances because oh he's been published before okay uh, then you could take some off and, you know, get the mm-hmm. new ones in there. And then you just keep doing that until all of a sudden you have top tier journals in your bio. 
That is not a quick process. No, that, that's years. When some magazines don't get back for six months, here's where being um, a prolific writer comes in handy. When you are able to write a whole bunch of stories and have them all out in submissions, you have a much better chance of uh, not just getting accepted, but things will come at you at all different times of the year. Let's use a fishing analogy. Okay. You throw one hook into the, you know, into the pond or whatever. You might get something, but it's going to take a while. It's going to be long. Yeah. But if you fucking send a whole bunch of fucking hooks out into the pond, you have a better chance of snagging something. Yes. And you won't have to wait as long because some hooks will go faster. Now, sometimes sometimes it might be an old boot yeah, well, <laughs> that's been in the bottom of the, <laughs> the lake. Sometimes but. you get the old boot, but they got to take that boot. Maybe it fits. Do you have any questions, Spencer? Because you only dipped your toes into yeah, a couple ha- submissions. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't submitted too much like like yourself. So that's why I've kind of let a lot of the talk, you know, that you yeah. lead, you know, lead this episode and throw my two cents in every once in a while. Well, at least you could just uh, you have an opinion on that fucking awful, awful, horrible glimmer of hope that's always in your eye when you have that submission up. Yeah, and you're just like, oh. They're going to accept it. First, it's like, I hope they accept it. And you're like, they're going to accept it. They're going to fucking accept it. And more time goes by. They're just like, they don't like it. They they're not going to accept they it. They're it. not even getting to it. They're probably telling other publications, don't, if you get stuff from this guy, don't, don't even bother <laughs> Black opening Black bottom <laughs> the whole industry. And then, uh, then it goes the other way. And you're like, no, it takes us on because they're deliberating. Yeah. They like it. Yeah. They want it. And then usually when you're at your peak, like, I think they're going to take it. They get the generic rejection. Mm. That's why I like the fast rejections. I'd rather just send them quick. Get them out of the way. Though, as you've seen, when you get a personal rejection, it actually feels good. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, the writing's good. They might yeah. not like the story, or in my case, it wasn't just, it wasn't a fit, but you're like, oh, they want me to submit again soon. Like, when they say, personally, we w- I want you to submit again, please, I'd like to read more of your work. It's like, fuck yeah. I yeah. Did. It's almost like getting accepted. You're like, I did it. Now I just it's have a, to- It's a more victory. Yeah. It's like- it's, it's a rocky moment. You didn't win, but yeah, you know, you, you made it to the end of the- You didn't win the battle, but you might be able to win the war. Yeah, you, you went all 15 rounds. There's layers to this submission game. And I know the dirty truth is that uh, some publications, at least, not too many that I've come across, though I do realize, uh, so I have a little antidote here that's kind of strange. Okay. I don't remember if I mentioned it on air before. But if I get to that, uh, some publishers or publications, yeah, publishers, I think do look at your social media to see how many followers you have. Yeah, we've talked about that. As a deciding factor of maybe I should accept this guy or not. Like, if you don't have a lot of, you know, things in your bio, like, submit, you know, publish here and there. But there's a one particular journal I submitted to, and not too long after I submitted to them, they went through and liked a bunch of my tweets, Uh my old tweets. And I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. And that was, what, three or four months ago? And I still haven't heard uh, my my thing's still in progress. I haven't heard mm. from them. so I'm like, are, they better fucking accept <laughs> it. You don't just like my tweets and follow me and then not accept me, you know? Being creepers. Yeah, that that was a little strange. I still so I have hope on that one, but I thought I would have been accepted by now. So now I'm not so sure. Mm. Like, what if they reject me? And then it's like, who the fuck was running the account that liked my stuff? Like, could you? Cause that's so weird. Like a fucking literary journal likes your bunch of your tweets. Yeah, and they were personal tweets. They weren't like just about writing. So I don't know. But hopefully that's a good stuff. But again, it's just like they're creeping on me. It's like I don't like that. It's like you're looking at my social media. So what if you said shitty things on social media? That's another thing a lot of writers don't realize is uh, maybe they get a little saucy on Twitter or something. And, you know, even if it's like they're calling Trump an ass face or DeSantis an ass face or something, that might be a, a popular 
thing among the left and even the journals that read that, whoever's reading your tweets might be like, oh, that's funny. But I'm not getting that bomb. You know, we're not publishing them and then they get canceled. Yeah. Like you, so you, you really do have to, if you want to be a writer, uh, be professional on social media until you make it. Yeah. If you want to get canceled after you're famous, go ahead. But don't get canceled before mm. you make it. If you get fucking, Don't get pre-canceled. Yeah. That goes with other things, too. You really want to start OnlyFans to pay the bills. Well, if your OnlyFans gets known and they know it's you and you're also one, a you know aspiring writer, not a lot of publishers might might not be comfortable publishing someone who also does porn on the side yeah. or sells naked pictures or whatever. They might not care. They might not know, uh, which would be all right. But again, it's like being a teacher. You can be a teacher and have OnlyFans, but if the kids find out you have OnlyFans, you, we've seen you can get fired. Well, Doesn't that, seem right, but... Well, that, um. I remember hearing a thing a couple months ago. There was some female wrestler who was like one of like the champions, but she had it. W- it wasn't an OnlyFans, but it was like an OnlyFans kind of thing yeah. on the side. And they found out, and they just shit canned her. I mean, you also represent the company, yeah, or the company that you want to get into. So there's just things to keep in mind, folks. If you want to submit, uh, be professional and don't let too much of your personality bleed through the submission process. Wait till after, yeah. Wait till after you're accepted. That's all I can really... Uh, that's all advice I think I could give you. Only advice I got. And I can't talk too much because I haven't had a major publication yet. Except my work. I have them out there. I'm just, I've been waiting. That's what sucks. I haven't updated my website or anything because I've been waiting. I've been sitting yeah. on so much stuff. I got at least like 30 things in the air right now still. Because you get a lot of rejections. But at the same time, there's a lot of places that I think I have solid work out there now. The newest story I wrote and submitted, I... I only submitted to four places, all major print publications that pay. So the acceptance rate is very low, but I really feel strongly about the story. So I hope one of them picks it up. If not, I'll submit it to a lower end one, not like a like a middle range one. And I'm sure I'll get accepted. But also, though, again, here's hoping that the places are liking the kind of story I'm telling. Yeah. Because like I said before, while the writing's there, the writing's good. That doesn't mean they like what I'm writing about which that's a tough pill to swallow. And then, as we've known some great writers, sometimes you just have to go indie because people, while they might like your work, uh, the fans, and they want your work, publishers, they don't want to take our chance Yeah, and, and on then, submitting your, or accepting your style of work mm, and publishing it. And then if you can build up a bit of an audience by yourself, that's more... Then you can submit and they'll yeah, be like, oh, you got, you. he has a following. But then it's like, why the fuck do I need you? True. That's the way I look at it. Do I need a publisher? No. Like, if if, if I... So, say I started publishing shit on my site, it just got real popular. And then I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm writing a novel. If I have, let's say, 500 people follow me who say, we're going to buy your novel at 15 yeah. bucks. Why would I go through the process of having a publisher put out my novel and give me fucking pittance for all this work I put in when I can sell it myself and make 100% profit? True. So yeah, because it's a, it's like do you make like we said before it's like you do it yourself and make more of the whole gain from that, or do you go try to go to a publisher to where they can maybe get it to a wider audience and get more people, but the cut of that yeah is is less. But you're doing we, the same amount of work, if not more. But as we talked about before with the marketing and stuff, a lot of publishers they'll put your work out for a week or something and it ain't selling and they just shit can it. Mm-hmm. So, and then you got a uh, fucking book that's not on the market that you are not allowed to put on the market. 
I would not want to go through that. Part of the only thing that would probably help would be like to actually get it into stores because I don't know how like Bond and Nobles are with taking like indie people or self-published people. Like, you know? They don't, and that's what people were saying that like they're missing the boat. But put it this way, even if you get published by Penguin and they just put it in the store, they don't do any marketing for you. They just put it in the store. You're a middling novelist, whatever. How often... Do you, Spencer True. Church, walk through a Barnes and Noble or any bookstore and just pick out a random, random book and yep. like, I'm going to give this a chance? Right. An author you don't know. Yeah. I would say less than 1% of readers will go into a bookstore and just grab a book that they don't know, that they never heard of, and they haven't researched. That is a tough one. So I think, I don't know. That's, that's a, that, the whole social media aspect of building up your brand is horrible. I don't oh, want yeah. to do it. Uh, so we can end on that. I just don't want to have to go through that. I know I will, but it's tough. Uh, but first, start small. I'm just trying to get submitted uh, or accepted into different publications. And then hopefully building myself up the traditional way will lead me to be able to get my book published quicker. Uh, then people will enjoy the work, hopefully. And uh, if I got to do book signings and all that shit, I'll do the marketing if I have to. But I don't know. The worst comes to worst, I'll do you know indie publishing and sell it to you. <laughs> Is it? Oh, I always had the fear of like you know to be down there, but like the the traditional of like, hey, you get the book out yourself, or even if you got was able to like a like a a decent or sized like indie like publisher, and they set up like you know like a book sign at a local Barnes and Noble yeah. or whatever, and you're just sitting there by yourself. Yeah, there's nobody there. What even happens, I saw a trending thing where some some lady that happened to her, like one person showed up, and then like Neil Gaiman, Steve, like all the big authors came and was like, hey, we did sightings and that's happened to us. Yeah. Even recently it's happened yeah. to us, so I didn't have to feel too bad, but it would suck. Also, just because we were talking about indie authors, I don't know if you saw, but Dan Notes, who was on our podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, he not only hit his... Uh, Kickstarter? His Kickstarter goals, he hit all the stretch goals. Oh, nice. Yeah, Good. like he, I think he got six, seven, eight thousand. I don't know. He like well, a big time money. We're taking credit for that, right? Oh, yeah. It was yeah, definitely take, a DPW okay. effect. All right, yeah. They got the DBW bump. Yep, that's what it was. Uh, so congratulations to him, and uh, that's his highest Kickstarter to the date, so that's Good. cool. Good. So anyway, folks, if you like the kind of stuff we do and you want to buy our work, we don't have work to sell right now, but you could check us out at DPW Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Spencer's OnlyFans. What are you? You're not Turkish. The Tanzanian Toe Tickler Church. Yep, yep. So are you only tickling the toes of Tanzanians, or are you saying you're Tanzanian? Well, I'm not Tanzanian. Well, I don't know. I, I always assumed you're just appropriating the culture of whatever no, no, nationality I'm not, I'm or city. Not, I'm not that rude. Oh, okay. And also, you can check out my work and my publication history at calebjamesk.com. I promise I will put up more work here soon. Just, you know, once I get some, uh, some fucking feedback. Because some of the stories are older stories that I'll just put on my site if they, do, you know, if I get a batch of rejections from them. I'm just like, all right, I'm done. Because I'm not, like, you know, invested in those. It's old DPW stuff anyway. So I'm like, I'll just, uh, technically not even supposed to submit those. Hmm. But, you know, since the site's down, they don't know. They don't, no, they don't know. know. They don't know. They don't know. So it's like, you know, I don't give a shit. I was put on the site. Now, my new stuff, that's a different story. But anyway, we thank you for listening, and we will check you out next time. Ooh.